0: Welcome everybody, so glad you're here. Welcome to Mountain Park. Uh, Thankful to those of you who are uh, with us online. It is a whole lot of fun to play with a band that is good enough to compensate for anybody that that's that is big fun if you ever get a chance to do it I highly highly uh, encourage uh, you with that now that song uh, don't forget me when I'm gone it is it's not a Christian song whatever that is whatever makes something Christian or not Uh, but there's a reason I wanted to play that song here this morning I grew up in the 80s and uh, 80s music was uh, uh, what I think was the best decade for music and and uh, yeah yeah it's just just a matter of opinion, but uh, that was one of my favorite songs. It's a, um, it's from a Canadian band named Glass Tiger, and as I listen to you know oldies music, and uh, when that's you know there are certain songs that come on and you turn them up, and that song has always connected with me. I can listen to it over and over again. Here's another song from the '80s that is when it plays, I turn it up. This is another one of my favorite '80s songs, and you all know it. Here it is. John. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. At the end of the, okay. Okay. We can pull that out. So if you look at those two songs, there is a, a thematic similarity between those two songs that have popped up for me as two of my favorite songs from the 80s. If you look at the titles of these two songs and you kind of stretch yourself, if you look and kind of read in between the lines, there is somewhat of an overlap, if you're with me, in terms of the content and the idea behind these two songs. Can you see it? If you stretch yourself, can you see it? I I, I made a discovery a number of months back as I thought about these two songs. These two are, are two of my favorite and I just thought, why do I connect with these songs? And I wonder if there's a, the, the, the thematic idea with these two songs, I think it connects with a deep desire of my heart. I think it, it connects with, with a heart's cry for me, that, that I, I don't want the people I do life with to forget me. When I think about the people I went to high school with and I was hanging out with when I was listening to these songs, And we spent hours and hours and hours together hanging out, laughing, talking, trying to figure out how to grow up and figure this stuff all out. I don't want them to forget me while I I don't want to forget them. I don't want people I went to college with to forget me. I don't want people that I worked with in different uh, places, different organizations that I had the opportunity to work. I want to remember them, and I, I want them to remember me. I want them. Don't forget me. I I wonder for how many of you this kind of connects, that this might be a heart's cry for you as well. I think it's a heart cry for many of us that we, we want to be remembered by the people we care about the most, by the people we're doing life with. That We want people to, to kind of have that experience of, you made a difference in my life and I will remember you, I won't forget you. I want to make a difference in your life. I want us to have meaningful relationships and experiences. And I don't think this is a pitiful desire. Because I believe it's also the heart's cry of our Father in heaven. Now, God, of course, doesn't think the way we think and doesn't have needs the way we have needs. But I think as as you look at God's story, this whole idea of don't forget me is prominent in the story. You go back to the famous Ten Commandments. They were written to the Israelites who had just been freed from slavery and they're wandering in the desert. And Moses goes up on the mountain. He comes down with the foundational 10 commandments. And the very first one is, you shall have no other God before me, God said. That's the first commandment God wants to give to his people wandering in the desert. And the second one is, is similar to it, that you are not to make any idol, any image, anything Essentially, God, what God was saying, I don't want you to create anything that's going to be in competition for God being in that number one spot. I don't, I don't want anything to be in competition for your attention and for your affection. So then... Years later, they're wandering in the desert for a number of years, and the leadership transitions from Moses to Joshua. Joshua is the one to finally bring them into the promised land, into the land that God had promised for them to have. And they are crossing the Jordan River, and God does another miracle and opens up the river so that the people can cross over. They go from the east to the west of the Jordan River. And God says to the people, okay, what I want you to do is take 12 stones from the middle of the river and gather 12 stones and set them up on the west bank. Set them up. Why? Because I want you and future generations to remember what happened here. Why set up these stones? Because I want people, God was saying, don't forget me. Don't forget this moment. I want your kids and your kids' kids to remember what God has done through all of this. And after thousands of years of God pursuing his people, he had multiple different ways of saying, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Here, don't forget who God is and what God has done throughout this journey. Don't forget me. And this morning, I want to make sure we don't forget the faithfulness of our God. As we head into this, would you bow your heads with me? Father, you know how easy it is for us to forget. That you can bless us on a Monday and then on a Thursday. We we, we wonder where you are. It is so easy for us to forget. You've watched us do it over and over and over again. And you know that what we need more than anything is to keep you close. So, Father, I believe you are saying for our own benefit, don't forget me. Would you help us to tap into that, to to, to not just be willing to connect with that, but to be excited about the ways that you draw us in, the ways that you beautifully say to us, don't forget me. Come and lead us here in this moment, we pray, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, uh... Today, we are wrapping up this series that we've been calling Make a Memory. It's been a three-week little journey here. And today, I I really, I did, I wanted to make a memory as I thought, I was listening to that song, and I thought, don't forget me, man, that's totally what we're talking about. I thought, I want to make, I want to have fun, I want to play in this, with this great band, have my son playing on the horns, and so I wanted to kind of make a memory for myself, for our family and all that. We know how to make memories with one another. We know how to do that. We're good at that. We understand the value and the joy of making memories with one another. But what I've been saying for the past three weeks is that we, what we mean with this series, with this whole concept of make a memory, is that it is really about you and your relationship with God. It's about making a memory with God. The idea is we know how to make memories with one another. Can we take that and translate that to making a memory with a living God who says to us over and over again, don't forget me, don't forget me, don't forget me. And so what, 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 I'm, what I've been saying with you in this series and what I talked about last week is has there been a moment in your life, has there been an experience in your life where you knew that God was real, that it wasn't just a God that you learned about in church on a Sunday morning, but there was a, a presence, an actual experience that you had with a living God at some point in your journey. Hopefully there have been some of you who have who've had the opportunity this week to have conversations about to, that, to unearth that, to recall some of those memories and moments that you've had with a living God and be able to share them with one another. Hopefully you've been able to do that because the reality of, 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 of us, what happens so often is we, we just forget. We just, how can we remember? How can we keep it to the forefront when we have such a, a strong tendency to forget? How can we remember, make a memory of how great God is in those moments where we need God the most? Those moments where we are, where this anger boils up. And we just we want to take care of it. We want to do something with it. And we need to remember God's power in those moments. And, and so why is it that we so often don't remember that and we just respond with the anger? When that sadness takes over us and we don't want it to and we want something beyond that, we want some kind of power beyond that sadness. When we are in a pit, whatever that might look like, whatever kind of pit, you might be experiencing right now or can recall experiencing, and you, you can't claw your way out of the pit. How can we remember in those moments? Because that's when God says, don't forget me. And he has to say that to us over and over and over again, because we have such a tendency to forget. We so forget. And the older I get, the more I forget. I, I, I can watch a movie now, and I can be 30 minutes into the movie before I say, "Yeah, totally seen this one." <laughs> Two weeks ago, I watched this movie, and I, I should have known, should have known that I've seen this movie already. I can see somebody reading a book that I've read, and I can go, "Yeah, I read that book," and then I'll say, "Oh, really? What'd you think?" And I'll go, "Yeah, I I spent 15 hours with that book and with that author, but..." Can't recall a thing about it. I hate when that happens. I, I know I read it. I know, and if I got to reading it again, I'd go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But I have such a tendency to just forget. So how can we avoid that? How can we not forget? God is so present. God is so powerful. He is, he is with us so many moments, so many times. How can, we, how can we not forget that stuff? How can we cling to that stuff? This is not a new problem. Go back way into the Old Testament, and the writers of Psalms consistently talk about remembering what God has done. The Psalms is 150 songs that were written by songwriters to help the people of God celebrate and remember what God has done. There are multiple different authors. David, King David wrote most of the Psalms, but I want to take a look at a few verses in Psalm number 102. The writer says, he talks about some struggles, etc., and just says, but you, Lord, you sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. Jump down to verse 18. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. How do we not forget? It is so simple. This would be the simplest message. I don't know why it takes me 30 minutes to say this message. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it takes me 30 minutes. It. Write it down for future generation. How do you capture it? How do you, to keep a memory alive, write it down. Write it down for a future generation. That's that's simply what I mean by by part three here, Uh, the, the forever joy. The way you keep joy forever is you capture it. You capture this moment, this memory, and you, you capture it so that it can be, it can be en, enjoyed forever. Happiness comes quickly and it fades quickly. You had some experience this week that made you so happy. And right now, as you're sitting here, before I said anything, were you kind of basking in the happiness of something that happened on Wednesday? Happiness fades away quickly. Joy can be forever when we capture The beauty of the moment, when we write it down, when we capture it, and it can be forever beyond even our own lives, these stories can continue. This is what happened with Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. They're the writers of the first four books in the New Testament, what we refer to as the four gospels, the four versions of the story of Jesus. And what we, have, what we have in those uh, four versions is we have uh, these four guys who they, they experienced this event. This was an event in history. This actually happened. They were there. They saw it or they knew people who saw it. They, they, were, they were either first or second hand right on, right on a part of this journey. And the reason these guys did not write it down initially is that Jesus said, I'll be right back. Not like the Terminator, I'll be back. He "He's Jesus." Jesus essentially said, "You know, before before this generation passes away, you know this 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 second coming is going to happen." So they didn't think there was any need to write this stuff down. Have you ever had some incredible moment in your life, and as it was happening, and after it happens, you thought, "There's no way I'll forget any detail from this," and then years later, you look back on it and you go, "Should have written it down." Because then you're going back and, oh, man, who, who was that? Was that my first kid or the neighbor's kid? I'm trying to remember. You know, you don't remember all of the details. And so these guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what they wanted to do is they said, we, th- this, this, is not hap- this didn't happen in a year. Jesus didn't come back. Rome is still in control of this part of the world. And then it rolled into multiple years. It rolled into 10 years, 20 years, 30 years years. They estimate that the writers of the New Testament, they didn't put the marks on the paper for 30 years after the events that happened. That's, that's phenomenal for us to think about. But these guys thought Jesus would be right back. They didn't think there was a need to pass this on to future generations. But they realized, these eyewitnesses said, this is going to go beyond us. We have to make sure this stuff is captured, and it is captured accurately, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they connected, they compared notes, they talked about what they remembered, et cetera, and, and connected with this, and other writings, and people, somebody wrote this down, and somebody wrote that down. And these three, they, that's why when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there are some stories that are, that are word for word the same in each book. They didn't, they didn't worry about plagiarism, they didn't worry about whose name was attached to it, they just wanted to make sure they got it right. And those books are referred to as the synoptic gospels because they're very much tied together. John was this poet who kind of who wrote his own kind of journey. Some of the stories were the same, but John kind of didn't connect with the other three as much in terms of the writing. But these three, they wanted to make sure it was accurate. Let me show you this. Here, uh, Luke is, uh, Luke was not one of the, one of the disciples. Um, but he, he was a physician, and he wanted to make sure that he got it right. The beginning of his gospel, Luke chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So Luke was not an eyewitness, but Luke had heard from so many people who had been there, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. The reason Luke wrote his gospel is that he wanted to have an orderly account of what happened with Jesus. He wanted to make sure that this was captured for future generations, that they got it right, and that there wasn't guessing going forward. He wanted to make sure that it was an accurate account. And that's, that's just the Gospels. Really, the whole Bible that you have in your hand, that you have access to through digital media, the whole Bible is, a, is, is the capturing of the story of different men and men and women along the way. Of of these memories, of these moments, of these real-life situations, people wanted to make sure that they were captured and and they were an accurate version of what God has done and who God was. They they had to make sure this was captured for future generations. You have a story. You have uh, encounters with God. You have opportunities to make a memory with God. Are you capturing them? Are you writing them down? Again, simple Sunday. I have three journals. I, I, I wasn't a journal guy growing up. I never had a diary. I didn't have to worry about locking it. And, and so, uh, I, but I became a, a, a journal guy as I, when I became an adult because I wanted to capture some of this stuff. I wanted to capture uh, some of these stories. I have three journals. I keep my journals in digital form because I don't like writing. And I don't like my handwriting, and 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 I actually like digital forms so that I can search for keywords and all that kind of stuff. But that's just a matter of preference. I have three journals. I have a a personal journal, and that is all about my relationship with God. And it's essentially what we mean in this series here: make a memory. For me, that's how I just capture any moment where I believe God has spoken to me, where I believe I'm I'm reading scripture and something jumps out of the page at me, and it has an impact on what's going on in my life, I want to capture that. Anytime that God reaches down and pulls me out of the pit, whatever kind of pit I'm in, I want to capture that. That's my personal journal with God. Second journal that I keep is a family journal, and that's about the four most important people in my life. And so I want to capture the, the stories of what's going on with them. And often that is a make a memory with God moment because God teaches me things through my kids and God teaches me things as a husband, as a father. And so that, that, that journal is all about uh, that, that, that group that, um, that, like I said, four most important people in my life. And then the third journal is all about you. Let's I, I, it's, call it my MPC journal. And so I write down all of the bad things that you do. No, just just kidding. What I want to do with my MPC journal is I write down moments where I see God doing miracles in your lives. It's my way of capturing the story of how God is using this place to make a difference in the lives of people here in this church, here in this community, and around the world. I want to capture that stuff, and I want to capture what God is saying to me and challenging me in terms of my role as a pastor and my role as a leader. So I have my MPC journal that that digs into that. So what about you? Do you have a way of capturing the stories that God's telling in and through your life. If, if you do not yet have a journal or a way to, to then the simple point today, all, all today is, is I would encourage you to, to get started, to give it a shot, to write something down. And go back, go back and try to recall and remember some of those stories that perhaps were stirred up last week. If you do have a journal, then I have one suggestion. And I guess if you're starting a journal, this suggestion still applies. But here's the one suggestion. Lean toward the good stuff rather than the bad stuff. Assume that what you're writing truly is for future generations. Assume that 30, 40 years from now, your daughter, your son, your niece, your nephew, someone is going to read what you wrote. You will pass on whatever the story might be. And do you want them to read about your darkness and your venom towards other people? Or do you want them to read about the joy, the joy that you experienced in in your life? Do you want them to read a collection of your complaining? Or do you want them to read about the goodness of God? Lean toward the good stuff rather than the bad stuff. Now, I'm not saying ignore the bad stuff. I'm not saying be Pollyannish and pretend the bad stuff doesn't happen. Bad stuff happens. It happens to all of us. We go in and out of it. And it I, I, absolutely. I'm just saying don't keep it. Don't capture it. Don't hoard the bad stuff. Get it out. Get the bad stuff out. Uh, write, it, write it down on a separate piece of paper. Write it down electronically so that you can go back and erase it. You know? But get it out. Go ahead and go up the top of South Mountain and yell your brains out. Yell it all out. Get it all out. Tell someone what happened to you and tell them with great detail. Hopefully it's a good enough friend who just looks at you and says, you're absolutely right. I totally agree with you and they were wrong. I'm totally on your side. Hopefully you've got somebody like that in your life. Get it all out. Get it all out and then let it go. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Write it out. Say it out. Yell it out and then let it go. Don't keep that stuff. Don't capture that stuff. Because the idea is, how can we do this in a way where we experience forever joy, not forever jaded? It's so natural for us to just kind of collect the bad stuff. Assume that you are writing for a future generation. Now, here in 2021, we have access to the same tools that they had when they wrote the Bible. One of the tools, it's referred to as oral tradition. We don't use that phrase very much because we have so many other ways of capturing stories. But oral tradition was a huge deal. They they told the stories over and over and over again, and they told them with great accuracy, and they passed them from generation to generation to generation. And we get to do that. There's something beautiful about hearing a story from the the mouth of grandma, grandma or grandpa, and hearing, hearing them actually say it. Oral tradition is a beautiful thing that we continue to enjoy. And then the written word is something that we get to enjoy. I was just talking about that. that that's, that's, that's the same concept that they had thousands of years ago, but we have a bonus now. We have the bonus of technology. How can we use technology to, to enjoy these moments and these memories in a deeper way? Again, let me give you an example from a a horizontal perspective. I've shared this before, but uh, I I like to capture videos of our our family. A couple weeks ago, I showed a video clip from my daughter when she was three years old. And you remember that clip when she says, you like girl movies because I like girl movies and you like me. I can access those movies very quickly from back in 2009 or whatever because Uh, Ever since we had our first child in 2001, what I've done on an annual basis is I take all of our video from that year, from any source, any video, and sometimes it's over 20 hours of video. And so what I do is I then edit it down to to no more than one hour. It's usually between 55 and 60 minutes. Take, take all of the videos from the year and boil it down to one video representing that year, kind of the best of that year. So I have a Fuller Family 2001, Fuller Family 2002, Fuller Family 2003. If you come to our house, we'd love to show you a number of... <laughs> family videos, you know, that you would love. So that might not be your cup of tea, but for us as a family, we love to gather around, use technology, and enjoy these moments from the past. And I don't keep the nasty stuff. I, I don't keep, in fact, I do a first version and I show it to, to the family, and if anybody in the family looks at it and says, I don't, I, I don't like that, I'm not comfortable with that scene, then I just I say, okay, I'll cut that out, I'll cut that out, because this is for us. We want to remember the good stuff. We want to enjoy this deal going forward. I think it's harder now to do that. I think it's harder because we have so much stuff on, in the cloud, and I don't know how the cloud works. The cloud talks to my phone, and they have a relationship that I don't understand. And so I delete something on my phone, but the cloud says, I don't think you should have deleted that. And so the cloud puts it back on there. I don't know how to manage stuff nearly as well as I used to. We've got multiple platforms, multiple apps, multiple phones. It's hard to gap- capture all this stuff. But I encourage you, don't just let it all fade away. Don't just delete it all, and don't just let it go into this big cloud pile of muck that you'll never access, this, this big pile that has a lot of gems in it that you can't find. Anyway, now I'm going on an odd tangent. I'm sorry. But, but the point is, how can we use technology to, to make the most out of our memories with God? How can we use technology? So, so if you, you've got a Bible app, and sometimes they have notes that are a part of that journey, so that you can have, a, have an experience with God where you are writing down, here's how that verse connected with me. And maybe there's a digital way for you to capture this stuff and keep this stuff Going, maybe there's a way for you to. uh, Are you using, you know, technology to take take photos of, of things that God's doing in your life? Maybe there's some moment and you just boom, it's a snapshot in your head. Are you capturing? Are you capturing that day that that rainbow came over on that beautiful day, and you just thought that was a rainbow, that was a message from God? Did you capture that? Do you have an image of that? If you're in a Bible study or a group, a men's group or a women's group, have you? gotten past that awkward stage of saying, hey, let's take a picture together. I know nobody wants to do it, but you do it so that you can have that memory later on and say, at that season of my life, God used those great people. And it was so encouraging. I was so thankful for what God did through that group of people. How can we use technology, this gift that we have now, to accentuate these wonderful memories with with God. The overall idea here is how can we train ourselves to to see the moments and the memories and then capture them, just to see them, to identify them and capture them in a powerful way using whatever technology, whatever thing God provides for us to capture these, just, just like the writer of Psalm 102 said, that we can capture them, not just for ourselves, but for future generations to enjoy the goodness of God. Now, I want to I say one brief thing here before I wrap up. Just real brief, and just as we wrap up this series, just want to remind you, the name of this series is not Dwell on a Memory or Get Stuck in a Memory. The name of this series is what? Make a Memory. And so what that means is, yes, there are parts from the past that we get to celebrate, and they can be forever joy for us. Capture them, enjoy them, of course but it also means we're continuing to make new memories. Don't just celebrate the memories, make new ones. Uh, The writer of Ecclesiastes way back in the Old Testament, he understood this thousands of years ago, chapter 7, verse 10. Don't say, why were the old days better than these? Unless it's about 80s music, but Don't say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. It is not wise for us to to get stuck in old ways. Well, life used to be good. God used to show up. God used to speak. But instead, for us to say, God, here in 2021, you still want to do something new. God has something incredible that he wants to do in your life, in, in, in your marriage, in your family God wants to use you at your place of work to make an impact on other people's lives. God, help me to see how you want me to not just enjoy memories, but make new ones. That's a powerful, powerful way to look at life, to look at your days. God, are you going to make a memory today that I will remember as forever joy? Okay, I want to wrap up um, here today by doing what we did once again, at the very beginning of the series three weeks ago. And that is, I want to take communion with you again. Communion is, a, is, a, is the way that Jesus invited us to connect with him in a new and fresh and beautiful way. If you're at home, um, then uh, this is an opportunity, either home or here in the room. This is for those of you who would call yourself a follower of Jesus For those of you who would say, I am a Christian, I am a believer, this is an action for you to participate in. If you're not sure about that or exploring that, then I I would not uh, encourage you to participate in communion. Just think about what it might look like for you to be a follower of Jesus. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, if you are at home, I encourage you to go get any juice, any drink, go get any piece of bread, any cracker, so that you can participate with us. Here in the room, I highly encourage you, to, to break this thing open ahead of time so that when we take it together in just a few minutes, you don't have a panic attack because these things can be really difficult. So I encourage you, get the wafer out, get yourself ready uh, uh, in order to do this. Jesus took the, the bread at the Passover meal and he redefined what the bread was for. He redefined what it is. He broke the bread and he said, this represents my body broken for you. And then he took the cup of wine, which was a part of the Passover meal, and he said, this represents my blood poured out for you. This was so incredible because Jesus wanted, to, wanted the people to lock in on a memory. It wasn't just oral tradition. It wasn't just a written word. Jesus said through this experience, through this moment, through this meal, through this action, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. What that means is when you're discouraged, don't forget me, Jesus says. When you're at the end of your rope, don't forget me. When you're successful and thriving and everything you touch turns to gold and everyone is trying to keep up with you, Jesus says, don't forget me. Just like the song, Don't forget me when I'm gone. (laughs) The band's going to lead us in a a song to, to help us prepare our hearts for communion. We say that phrase, prepare our hearts. What I mean by that this morning is I just want you to think about, God, what do you want me to remember right now? And how do you want me to remember it? Just prepare your hearts, God. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me not just Jesus dying on the cross, but in all the ways that Jesus is present in your life. What do you want? What does God want you to remember right now? We're going to sing part of the song, and then I'm going to come up, and we're going to take communion together in just a few moments. stand as we uh, take this together and then we'll finish the rest of the song. Jesus took the bread, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He then took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us drink. Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful today. Once again, thankful for the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of memories and moments represented here in this room. Times where you have showed up, where you have shown your your beauty and your power in our lives, God. We are thankful for that today. We remember, you say to us, don't forget me. Help us to take that into today, into this week. You are with us, you love us, and you want us to make new and great memories with you. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
1: Where are you? He told Moses to take off his shoes. He's on holy ground. He said, if you're tired and weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He sacrificed everything for us. I give a sacrifice of praise to him in thankfulness for all he's done. Sing this again. You've been so